Good morning. This is the January 13th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we're on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is John, and on today's episode, we're talking about who took a final bow on this day in 2001. Pine Bluff, Arkansas. It's the 11th largest city in Arkansas, with a population of about 45,000. So who cares? What in the blue hell does Pine Bluff, Arkansas have to do with the history of professional wrestling? Well, if you're a wrestling fan of a certain vintage, and you were coming of age during the Attitude Era, you probably had a favorite between WWF and WCW in the vaunted Monday Night Wars that took place during that time of wrestling's explosion into the pop culture. But then again, maybe you were an even bigger fan of a lesser-known company who was the unsung attitude behind the Attitude Era. And if, like me, you fall into that latter category, the words Pine Bluff, Arkansas can still bring a little tear to the corner of your eye, lo these 20-plus years later. Because it was on January 13th, 2001, just six days removed from the guilty as charged pay-per-view, that ECW brought a house show to the convention center in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, in front of 1,300 fans, and it would be ECW's final show. The ECW roster had been pretty picked over at that point by the big companies. The card would feature names like Mike Shane, Stan Lee, seriously, Prodigy, Christian York, Joey Matthews, Julio De Niro, and Easy Money. But it still had some very recognizable names that are synonymous with the original ECW, like Yoshihiro Tajiri, Super Crazy, Rhino, Spike Dudley, Little Guido, Danny Doring, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman. Rhino, the man beast, the last man to hold the ECW championship, well, he beat Spike Dudley in what was scheduled to be the penultimate match on this card, defending the world title he had won the previous week at the pay-per-view. But the main event wound up being an unscheduled double dip between Justin Credible and the Sandman. Justin dared Sandman to face him in a non-hardcore match. Sandman agreed with the stipulation that Justin would quote-unquote owe him one. Justin Credible won the match when Sandman attempted to suplex him back in from the apron's edge, but Francine hooked the Sandman's leg, allowing Justin to fall on top of him into a quick pin. The Sandman would waste no time calling in that chit, saying, You used your bitch to beat me in this match, but I distinctly remember that you made me a promise that you owed me one, and I'm going to collect that debt. With that in mind, the Sandman headed backstage to prepare for what he referred to as his kind of match. He re-emerged seconds later with a rolling tilt dumpster full of hardcore plunder. Ladders of multiple sizes, a handicapped parking sign still attached to five feet of metal pole, a length of barbed wire, steel chairs, a mop, it would all be used. Sandman would take a Bronco Buster from Francine, though I'll never understand how a Face full of stuff, as Mark Madden lovingly referred to it, was a bad thing if it was coming from the Queen of Extreme. And moments later, Sandman would pile drive Justin onto a fluorescent lighting housing. Not the bulbs like we see used in GCW these days, just the aluminum housing. And that would get the Sandman the win. Tommy Dreamer and the majority of the locker room would make their way to the ring, a few of them with plastic office trash bins doubling as makeshift coolers in their hands. Beer was passed out to the roster as they filled the ring. Tommy spoke to the fans before passing the mic to the Sandman. 
Sandman had some words for the fans as well, which he punctuated with, This Bud's for you, as he cracked a beer and he and the boys drank a toast to ECW and their fans while the crowd chanted, Please come back. But a return trip was not in the cards. Monday Night Raw had moved from the USA Network to TNN, which left ECW without a TV home for national syndication. And back to just its small regional TV deals, the ECW pay-per-view era business model was simply not sustainable. They still had Living Dangerously scheduled to take place on March 11, 2001, but rumors of financial struggles, including money owed to members of the roster, didn't give the ECW fans a lot of hope. On March 5th in Washington, D.C., when Paul Heyman showed up on WWF television as Jim Ross's new broadcast partner, those fans heard the death knell. On March 9th, Living Dangerously was officially canceled. On April 4th, ECW filed for bankruptcy and officially closed the doors, leaving that Pine Bluff show as their swan song, which took place on this day, January 13th, 2001. Well, that's our show for today. If you'd like to continue the conversation about ECW's final show, I encourage you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show or just search for Daily Wrestling News Show. Either way, click join and we'll let you in to talk about ECW, WWF, or any historical wrestling topic. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. <laughs>